We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why should you be encouraged to draft Rashad Penny? Why should you be wary of drafting Dak Prescott? My guest, John Paulson from 444 Fantasy, will tell you that and a whole lot more coming up on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, brought to you by the good folks from Circa and Fantrax. Uh, I'm Jeff Erickson, and my guest today is John Paulson from Four for Four Fantasy Football. Uh, John is one of the stalwarts in the industry; has been a fantastic ranker for years, a good columnist. I'm also now in the same Scott Fishbowl league with him. We did the In and Out League at the Scott Fishbowl Live a couple of weeks ago. John, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Jeff. It was good to meet you there and, uh, you know, a longtime fan. And yes, every time I hear the in and out, I want to do the chant, the in and out chant that we were doing at uh, Scott Fishbowl LA uh, event there over at Trophy Smack. That was, a, that was a good time. Yeah. And Trophy Smack, man, what a great place to have a draft. Great people there too. Really fun time. Uh, I, I, I can't believe I missed out on it last year. I got like after the fact FOMO uh, after being there this year. I was like, wow, I really missed out. Yeah, they did a great job. I mean, they did four drafts last year and four drafts this year. They stepped it up a notch this year with more space. Uh, they didn't uh, force all the, the games down our throats like they did last year. It was kind of hard. It was kind of chaotic trying to get the games done, but uh, a lot of fun. They're great, great folks over there. They are. They are. So uh, we got a lot to talk about. We are going to hit John's annual 99 stats that you that you need to know to help you draft. But uh, before we do that, we got some news items. Top on our list has to be Cooper Cup and that hamstring injury. Uh, left practice yesterday. It seems like he's going to miss at least a couple of weeks with that. Uh, what's your level of concern with Cooper Cup? I would say mild. Uh, you know, he's not a really young player. So anytime uh, soft tissue injuries start to pop up in these older players or mid-range, you know, mid-old players, uh, you start to get a little bit concerned. Uh, but there's enough time for him to heal and be ready to go week one, uh, depending on the nature of this hamstring injury. I did see uh, a few different tweets uh, come through my feed about, you know, possible recurrence of injury and and how uh, players of his age, it's like double the recurrence. So it's something to monitor. I did downgrade him a little bit in the, the projection, but he's still right now my uh, fantasy wide receiver too. Uh, you know, you, you're looking at these other guys in the top four or five. Uh, Jamar Chase has a Joe Burrow situation. Right. Uh, Ty Tyreek Hill 
Um, I still think that there's something legally that might happen to him with the with the slap or whatever happened at the marina. Uh, and he's, you know, he's got a history of of off off the field issues, so he might miss a couple games or four games potentially if they if they decide to suspend him. So this group is getting a little dicey, and so you know Justin Jefferson looks all all the much better as my wide receiver one. Yeah, absolutely. And it was funny. I did look at your rankings right before coming on. I still saw a Cup there at two. I was like, okay, we'll see what happens with that. And obviously, you know, we got we got time. One of the problems we're going to have in trying to evaluate Cup status is the Rams typically hold out their stars in uh, pre- in preseason games, and I don't see that being any different this year with Stafford and Cup. Yeah, and I did downgrade his projections, but he was far enough ahead of Jamar Chase for me, mm-hmm. uh, given what's going on in Cincinnati. And I don't like these are my opinions. This is how I would draft. If my uh, subscribers at four for four, you know, want to go for the younger Chase, you know, it's it's a two three situation. They shouldn't uh, right use my rankings as complete gospel. Uh, but you know, downgrading him some, he still had that breathing room ahead of Chase right now, especially with with what's going on with Joe Burrow. Yeah, which kind of leads me to another, you know, to the next topic, and that is Joe Burrow and his calf strain. Several weeks is the the phrase that we got, and we're not going to get a whole lot of definition from that, you know, in the next few weeks as well, unfortunately. And you know, I took Burrow uh, in the Scott Fishbowl. Obviously, I was wearing the Burrow jersey. Uh, you know, I, I telegraphed my pick at one point six, well in advance of when it happened, um, but. Yeah, it's like, what do you do with Burrow? And what do you do with Chase and Higgins and everybody else in that offense? Uh, you know, because we aren't going to know. Is he going to, if he misses two games, then obviously it has to be at least somewhat of a di- uh, discount for all these guys. Yeah, you're expecting your quarterbacks to play almost every game. So if you start to throw in a missed game there in the, into the projections, it does downgrade them. I had him at four, you know, after the big three. I actually had him ahead of Lamar Jackson. I think that's mm-hmm. probably in the minority there prior to this injury and then with the injury downgrade the passing game a little bit downgrade the my expected games played for him and he dropped down to five he's still ahead of justin fields and and uh or uh and justin herbert as well uh but you know a little bit concerned now about the calf it's just again there's still a lot of time for him to get out there and you know i don't know about you jeff but you know when these injuries happen i don't immediately react or try try not to immediately overreact And really start moving guys flying around. I'd like to, you know, uh, there's a lot of information that comes out in the two or three days after these injuries are announced. Uh, beat reporters start writing stories and we start getting some more detail on this stuff. And there's there's no reason to panic and start moving guys four or five spots, uh, you know, with injuries like this, this far away from the season. Yeah, to that point, I do a set of separate like PPR ranks. Man, we do it. We have projections ranks by multiple people on the site at RotoWire, but I do my own, and they go at, come up every Wednesday. And I make a point of not doing them until Wednesday because I want to let things settle in a little bit there. So yeah, I'm going to be a little bit behind the ball a little bit on Co- Cooper Cup today, and then I'll have to adjust accordingly. But um, you know, we'll be we'll, you know look at Alexander Madison. You know, leaves practice last night. And we're like, oh no, oh no, and then he practiced today. Okay, I guess it's fine. Um, and, and you see that all the time, you're, to your point. So, yeah, I probably have Burrow now in that Herbert tier, maybe even with uh, Fields and Trevor Lawrence, but or at least the gap has narrowed. It's now a tier as opposed to a gap. Um, and that's kind of more what I'm looking at there. Yeah, I think I would have had uh, prior to this injury, you know, you have your top three, which I think are, have some distance. Right. Lamar Jackson has that sort of upside to be QB1 overall. And Joe Burrow, I don't know that he does. You know, maybe if everything broke his way, he'd have overall QB1 upside. 
but I had him ahead because I think he's a little more consistent, probably a higher floor than Lamar Jackson. Uh, and then, so I would probably put Jackson Burrow and Fields in a, in a tier right now with Herbert and Lawrence slightly below. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And let's face it, Jackson's not exactly a paragon of health either. So uh, between the two, we can find many reasons. We, we don't have to squint to find reasons to shy away if you want to. But, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks will be pretty telling in that respect. Uh, I need to get your reaction on uh, from the news out of Colts camp uh, with Jonathan Taylor. It seems like this is becoming kind of a nuclear situation. Yeah, I'm interested to hear your take as well. Uh, it, you know, Immediately after this, we've got a bus meeting. We've got a trade request that apparently happened a week ago. Uh, we, we have a back injury, which I believe Jonathan Taylor denied on Twitter, saying that he right. did not have a back injury. Uh, and a trade request that's going going to be denied, apparently. And uh, I don't know that he has a whole lot of leverage here. If he doesn't play, I think he's just stuck on the contract another year. So he's just disgruntled. So I you know, I, I think he ends up showing up and playing, but I did, you know, I don't love him enough to have him ahead of Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley in the situation. Uh, Barkley's situation has cleared up considerably. He's agreed to the the higher contract uh, for the one year and seems relatively happy now. So Taylor moved below those guys for me and he's at eight and half PPR. You know, he's right there with Ramondre Stevenson and, and Jameer Gibbs for me, you know, in that, I guess that's the third tier of uh, maybe the fourth tier of uh, of running backs there that you might get around the two three turn. Yeah, initially I had him right there with Barkley uh, in the at the end, tail end of the first round, uh, and now I don't even know if I'm going to take him in the second round. Uh, I'd rather not. I'd rather not be forced to. I like I'll take Nick Chubb before him. I'll take a lot. I'll take Pollard sure. ahead of him. I'll go wide receiver or quarterback if Allen or Hertz or Waddle are available there too, I think. Um, and Henry too. I, I think I would take Henry. Before I probably had Henry below Taylor, but now I definitely won't. And to the to that point in the NFFC, seen the last couple of days, uh, previously uh, Taylor's max pick was 26. It's now 31. So you're starting to see some negative movement there. Yeah, I was sitting there at the uh, 212 spot in the, the pros versus Joes uh, draft on Sunday. And Taylor was sliding and I was, you know, it was 210. He's still on the board. So I was looking up the latest news, trying to see, you know, do I want to take a risk on him at 212? And unfortunately, I think for my decision making and my ulcers and all that, that he uh, <laughs> got he got taken before I had to make that call. Uh, but he's certainly sliding now into that early third. And I'm looking at my rankings. You know, he's 30 points behind uh, in the projections PPR behind Barkley for me. So he's right there with Stevenson and Jameer Gibbs is actually one point ahead of him in PPR. Wow. And that, that, that's definitely a drop. And that's like, that's definitely putting him into the third round in many drafts there. Yeah. He's exactly the type of player. I don't want to have to make that decision. I don't want someone else to make the decision for me, which, you know, it, it's kind of a chicken little approach for me, but nonetheless, you know, first three rounds for me are all about, you know, I, I, I don't want to have the warts. I mean, I understand there's, there's a ceiling, there's a 1.1 ceiling with Jonathan Taylor, but there's also a much lower floor than there used to be. And we saw it last year. We, we see some of the things there this year. Uh, digging a little lower in drafts, J.K. Dobbins still not practicing. Indefinite point of return. You know, I, I, I was kind of gung-ho on Dobbins in, in April, you know, in March. After the end of the season, when he looked pretty good at the end of the year, clearly Baltimore's best back. was confused why they didn't use him more against my Bengals in the playoff game. And then... Mrs. OTAs, Mrs. Minicamp, now on the pup list. 
I, I, frankly, I'm really surprised that it went this way, and I am very wary of drafting him now. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't have the insider info. I don't think it's a really a, an injury issue with him. I mean, he was seemed like he was fully healthy at the end of last year. His final five games, including a playoff game, he had 505 total yards, two touchdowns on 75 total touches, 6.56 mm-hmm. yards per carry in that span. That's from my article that we're, we're teasing. Uh, and so, you know, I thought he'd come in with full health now, a full year removed from that, <clears throat> from that injury. Uh, so it sounds to me like there's some sort of contract issue going on and he's disgruntled. And a lot of these, a lot of these running backs are, you know, looking at their future and realizing right. that they aren't going to make as much money as they thought they were going to. And, um, but, you know, again, I don't know how much leverage he has and, you know, I would assume that he's going to play, but he's, you know, he's been kind of lower in my rankings uh, as kind of a shy away player for the last couple of years. You know, the one thing that could be very interesting with him if he gets back into the fold is the, you know, the receptions, they just haven't used their, you know, running backs in Baltimore as pass catchers. And I think that's a, you know, if we saw reports earlier from the, uh, the summer that Todd Monken really has prioritized uh, running backs in the passing game. And that would be a big boon for him if he's able to get back and, and right. get back into the fold. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people are excited about that hire. Um, and, you, you know, it. there's probably there's still got to be there's a limited number of passes that can go around. But you would figure that, you know, the running backs would benefit from that just a little bit more. Um, I am kind of curious to see how that goes. You know, Lamar uh, said he's going to throw for 5,000 yards. I think he may have scaled that back at some point in time. But having never eclipsed 4,000, uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, they they do intend for him to run a little less frequently and for him to throw more often. It's just a question of apportionment and t- the degree to how much that changes. Yeah, and, you know, with those running quarterbacks, you don't really want to hear that. Uh, the, right. the rushing is more valuable than the passing for them. But if they are able to be really effective with their pass attempts, then they can make up a lot of those fantasy points, uh, especially if they pick up the pace right. and play play faster. Because then if you if you throw that in plus the, the passing, then they can make up all those rushing yards, uh, the loss of rushing yards. There's a report from Ian Rappaport today uh, stating that Alvin Kamara is almost certainly going to be suspended by the NFL. We th- That doesn't change anything. We've known this for a very long time. Uh, I got to imagine you're the same way as I am that you've had that a a possible suspension banked into your rankings already. Yes. And uh, I think we've seen it in ADP as well. Uh, You know, he's going RB 29 over at uh, underdog. The legal situation is, uh, as I understand it, uh, completely behind him, but the suspension is not the fact that he, you know, pled to a, a, a minor, whatever misdemeanor or whatever it was doesn't change the fact that uh, he's uh, still in trouble with the league. And I believe Rappaport threw out two to six games. You know, I've been assuming four games and he's a, you know, at RB 29, he's a really interesting player that you can nab at the seven, eight turn or, you know, seventh, eighth round in some of these drafts and you can get him as your RB three and you don't even necessarily need him you know, until maybe that suspension's over, you know, depending on who your other running backs are, you don't have a buy uh, for your top two running backs in the first four or five weeks. Uh, you might be able to just add Kamara to your back, you know, your backfield uh, depth and uh, all of a sudden have him for the, the rest of the, of the, of the season. And he's a, you know, he was like RB 19, I think last year on a PPR uh, uh, per game basis, but you know, we know he's got top 12 upside when things are really cooking. I'm, I'm looking at him as like a, mid-range RB2 when he's healthy and playing. 
Yeah, I'm closer to the RB3 range because I also, you know, age, usage patterns and all that. The fact that they went and got Jamal Williams, they drafted Kendra Miller. I, I think that the, the usage will be lower. I, I wanted them to throw the ball to him more last year, and maybe it was the quarterback situation. Maybe Derek Carr will do a better job of that. Um, Taysom Hill still exists, uh, much to our consternation. But, uh, you know, th- those are the things that have kind of, like, prevented me from going any higher than that. Uh, this report doesn't change that, though. In fact, it might if it does lower Kamara's price, to your point, I think I might end up with him a little bit more than I would have otherwise. Yeah, it's an interesting group. Uh, this is an interesting year in general with these running backs. You get some really compelling players going really late. I mean, James Conner, pick 80. Uh, Rashad White, pick 82. And this yep. is this is underdog where they're really, really wide receiver heavy. So, if you know, if you're listening to this and you're just in a home league, you you probably have to pull the trigger a little bit earlier on these guys. Uh, but Javante Williams, uh, pick 83. Isaiah Pacheco, who really was good down the stretch, uh, you know, pick 87, 88. Kamara, James Cook, who is, we're getting the steady drumbeat on James Cook. So just a lot of guys uh, in this in this range. Rashad Penny, uh, Dalvin Cook, who's, you know, free agent. You know, th- these are some really compelling RB3s, and there's more talent here in the RB3 ranks that I, that I can remember. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think you brought up another good point, and that is uh, you talked about, you know, knowing the underdog range, well, that it might be different from your home league, which might be different from the NFFC. We kind of look things in a prism to the leagues we play in the more often than not. And it's really tough to kind of give that perspective for the various types of leagues that are out there. It's our job. But, uh, you know, you get used to one sort of thing, and then you play in a Yahoo league where they only have two wide receivers, and it's a half-point PPR. All of a sudden, that prism that we've been looking at is a lot different. Yeah, rule number one uh, is know your scoring system. Right, and uh, if you can also depends on your league too, and how you know competitive your league is, how you know sharp your your league mates are. But you know ADP can be really helpful too. If you you know you're looking at that draft room and you know that so and so has a really high ADP or a low ADP. Let's say they have a low ADP and you want you want them, you can maybe uh, uh, wait an extra round before you have to pull the trigger on them because they're, they're right. probably going to be there when, when it's time your time to pick 100 uh, percent calvin ridley was limited with a toe issue turns out it's a cleat issue that he was basically wearing the wrong cleats uh now still the toe remains aggravated you know it, but still it seems like this is something that should go away i'm you know I, there's I, I saw some commentary that you might get some michael thomas vibes off of this here that you clear one injury only to have another i don't think we're at that point here with ridley yet but it's always something to watch for here yeah ridley a big fan of his game uh i know he's a great route runner from all of matt Harmon's reception perception work over over there and uh really big fan of his game but it, it worries me a little bit having this much time off of football we saw uh, Deshaun Watson really have trouble shaking off the rust uh, last year at quarterback. It's a little bit different at receiver. Uh, he has reportedly looked great in camp and everything. So I'm just slightly low on him, and I don't really – I'm not pulling the trigger on receivers in that third round if, if uh, say, a Mark Andrews is available. Uh, I'm I'm waiting to the fourth round and maybe trying to, to target a, a Terry McLaurin. So I'm not getting a whole lot of Ridley right now, but he has a ton of talent. And at this um, drumbeat of positive reports and he can get over this toe issue uh, continue, then maybe he's moving up the rankings a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this kind of slows the roll a little bit because he was steadily climbing but prior to that. So to, uh, I think that's a good point. And you did, by the way, in Fishbowl, you also avoided the third round wide receiver. You went with, I think, Hawkinson in that draft. So you kind of practice what you preach as far as that goes. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm having a little bit of buyer's remorse on that. Uh, yeah. I actually took Hawkinson at the end of the second round. I wanted okay. to get, I wanted, to, I wanted to lock up a, a stud tight end, and I, the, you know, the running backs that I saw at the end of the third round, uh, you know, I thought Brees Hall has as much upside as Nick Chubb, and I think he does. But Nick Chubb has a, a way higher floor right now. For uh, sure. Hall still on on pop, and uh, I, I probably should have reversed those picks if I could have done it. But I guess I wouldn't have gotten Hawkinson in the third. I was told by the league mates that that wasn't going to happen. That's so true. I got my and, I got my guy. And to be clear, it's tight end boosted scoring in the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, too. Again, sure. know your league, uh, as we always say. These stat, uh, this podcast, and all of RotoWire's podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network. We thank them for uh, hosting us, and we do so by playing their ads right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thank you for your indulgence as far as that goes. Uh, before we get into the 99 stats observations, I, I've asked you uh, offline uh, if you have a favorite go-to stat for a quarterback, for a running back, for a pass catcher. Help us filter out some of the noise. When you're like looking up a, a player, when you're doing your player profiles, you're doing your rankings, What's something? What's one of your go-to stats for quarterbacks? Yeah, so you know, for quarterbacks, I will will look over at PFF and look at their adjusted completion percentage. Uh, you know, I think yards per attempt is a, a basic stat, but it's a it's a helpful one. Um, you know, I have a whole rookie quarterback model that I use to uh, get a starting point for. Uh, rookies coming in off of their last season uh, in college. So I use their last season stats in college that drives a, a starting point for me. It's, it's pretty good, but the the one that really, it does a really good job of projecting is rushing yards, uh, expected rushing yards. It's that's the, got the highest R squared uh, in the projection. So that helps me with players like Sam Howell, who's not really a rookie, but starting, starting this year for the first time, uh, Anthony Richardson, et cetera. Um, and I would say deep ball accuracy is important as well. Uh, just a completion percentage, passing grade, those types of things. Trying to figure out like if uh, Aaron Rodgers has really lost it. You know, he had the 11th highest uh, passing grade at PFF last year. He probably, 
you know, didn't score as many fantasy points as we expected because of the receiver situation there in, in uh, Green Bay. It wasn't so much a, a huge drop-off in his ability. Right. Uh, you know, every time he does throw it downfield, it seems like he can still drop it on a dime. It seemed like, though, it, to at least, and I know this isn't the first time someone said this, that he's cho- he chose not to at times. Maybe he lost confidence in the receivers. Maybe he was avoid. you know, there was a pass rush situation, so he's checking down sooner rather than later. Um We'll see with the Jets. He's going to have plenty of targets that he should trust. We'll see about that rebuild offensive line. Everybody, everything that all the players that were hurt last year for the Jets, they have their O line issues as well. Yeah, the Jets are it's certainly interesting. He's got a much better and more experienced uh, receiving core uh, this year than he did last year. Uh, I'm just getting some, and this whole thing with hard knocks as well. I'm, you know, the, the talk of the super team, I'm just getting expectations are getting set really, really high and that yep. they would be better off if they were kind of flying under the radar as opposed to, Oh, we're going to be awesome. Uh, everybody talk about how awesome we're going to be uh, heading into the season. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, it's going to be painful watching Rogers in a, in a Jets uniform, but I'm really interested to see hard knocks when it comes up. Is, are you a Packers guy? Yeah. I uh, grew up in Wisconsin uh, outside of Milwaukee and okay. uh, a lifelong, I, I was a Packer fan back in the Lynn Dickey days. Eddie uh-huh. the Ivory. Very good. Yeah. You remember the Magic Man before before Favre and all that. I, I used to live in I lived in Chicago for ten years, and I wasn't a Bears fan though. I'm a Bengals fan, as you know. Uh, but so be you know being in an NFL city where you have partisan fans, it, it's and you're not a fan of that team. It, it's it's kind of fun sometimes because you see the highs and lows and all, all that goes. And there were plenty of both in Chicago during those times too. Yeah, I actually uh, remember being at the main uh, Chicago train station, and we were taking a train somewhere. I can't remember where, but the the Bears game had just let out, and they had lost. And I saw all these miserable Bears fans uh, coming through the station, and it was actually very enjoyable to me as a Packer <laughs> fan to watch. <laughs> to watch it, it's like an energy vampire just sucking in the energy of the, yes, the misery of the Bears. Eat off of it. Very yes. good. How about the running backs? Uh, what's a, a go to stat for you there that you do uh, you look at when you're evaluating a running back? Yeah, I really like uh, yards after contact per attempt. I think that's helpful in terms of uh, how well do they break tackles. There's another broken tackles one there at uh, uh, PFR, uh, broken tackles per attempt or you know number of attempts per broken tackle. That's a good one. Rushing grade at PFF is a good one as well. Yeah. And then you're looking at some of the receiving options for them too. I mean, uh, yards per route run for receivers is a huge one for me. It's very predictive of fantasy points. And I think it's very useful for running backs too, especially if you're talking – you know, pass catcher, uh, you know, like DeAndre Swift or somebody like that. Sure. It's, it's good to know who's uh, who's producing yards on, on their on their routes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, it, and it's good to kind of get out of like just yards per carry. I mean, we can all see that. We need to find other reasons, other things that help us. But there's a lot of other noisy stats as well. And you know, that that's the tricky part is finding out what is predictive and what's just noise. Yeah, the other uh, one I would mention for running backs. And I think it's just an, a generally underutilized aspect of it because it's hard to quantify is the offensive line play. Yeah. Uh, so Football Outsiders does a good job. They've got an adjusted line yards, which is free if you just sign up to their basic plan, which is just a free plan. Uh, and they also have adjusted sack rate. So that's how I kind of evaluate or help to evaluate. There's some of the PFF stats that are good, too, for, for pass protection and stuff. But the adjusted line yards is a good one. And then every... Offseason, I will quantify the dollars in and out uh, on the offensive line uh, by a free agency so I can see uh, which uh, offensive line units are getting talent and which ones are losing talent. 
Uh, you also can uh, throw in the uh, draft picks if they took a you know alignment in the first three rounds of the draft, likely to start, uh, and kind of see you know where the offensive line is going to be at after you know what we had last year for every, all these units. So it's also helpful for you know like a player like Nick Chubb to know that his offensive line is really strong. Then they, they did quite a bit. The Steelers are another offensive line that uh, they've added a lot of of talent to that. So Najee Harris, I think, actually has some upside there, even though he's kind of a, a boring pick there in the third or fourth round. Yeah, I actually I'm high on Harris as well, despite Matt Canada being the offensive coordinator there. But I do like the line play. But to your point, you could see last year when the, the Bucks going into the season, even going into training camp before Jensen got hurt, you could see that the offensive line was going to be a problem. And then they lose their starting center and it just became a historically bad run blocking line. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know, the, the name of the article is who invested in the offensive line. If you ever want to take a look at that, it's, it's, uh, it's I don't know that anybody else does it that way. I, I go over to spot track and, and uh, get my pivot tables going in Excel and uh, try to try to sum up these uh, ins and outs on the, on the free agency side. I think it's uh, super useful. It is. Uh, and I, I'm going to, I think it's uh, definitely worth checking out. I, uh, so I'll do that. And speaking of articles, John writes uh, an article, 99 sets you need to know. We're going to post the link here in a second. Uh, and we'll discuss some of the highlights from that. Uh, but first, got to share a quick note from our, our friends at Circa Sportsbook. Uh, as always, uh, they are getting running a, a great pick'em contest and survivor contest. Get ready for more millions guaranteed. The biggest pro football contest in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with 14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere. Two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million. Make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback to players. Grand finale winner takes home $1 million. Last place takes home $100,000 booby prize. With quarterly and full season payouts, $6 million is guaranteed. Also, you can join Circa Survivor to select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, the entry is eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season. Go 20 and 0 or be the last person standing to win it all, $8 million is guaranteed. Overall, $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircusSports.com for details. Jeff Erickson, I am here with John Paulson from 4 for 4 Fantasy. Uh, and John writes a great article uh, every year, uh, 99 Stats. You know, I think he called it title of this year, 99 Stats and a Mitch Ain't One. Um, and you can check it out at 4 for 4. I'm going to post the link here first. Uh, and we'll take a talk about a couple of the highlights from this article because I, I, it's a really interesting article, and I think you should check it out for yourselves. Um, starting off, I teased it earlier. Why should we be a little wary of Dak Prescott this year? Yeah, so Prescott, I've, you know, I've you know kind of faded him in the rankings a little bit. You know, I having watched uh, Mike McCarthy for years and years and years, mm -hmm. uh, I know how stubborn he is. And I think Kellen Moore was a scapegoat last year with this. I mean, the offense was fine. It was quite good, actually. They ended up firing him so that McCarthy can take over the offense. And they were already pretty run heavy. Uh, and now they want to go even more run heavy. They were 26 in neutral script pass rate in 2022. So, we're, you know, what are we doing? Like, this is not great for, for Prescott. I think he could still deliver low-end QB uh, one numbers, but McCarthy's kind of known for playing slow. And that might be, you know, the Aaron Rodgers factor because Aaron likes to run it all the way down to one second every time, but he tends to be a, a slower play caller. They want to establish a run. 
So that's good for Tony Pollard. Uh, I just right. don't think it's so good for, for Jack Prescott from a volume uh, standpoint. I agree. And uh, I'm concerned too. And plus didn't they, and it's Brian Schottenheimer is his, you know, offensive coordinator as well. And that that's not exactly a, a name that fantasy players like to hear as the offensive coordinator, if they're paying attention to those sort of things. Yeah. Shot, you know, shoddy. There, there's a long history there of, uh, you know, establishing the run with the, with the Schottenheimers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I am, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about uh, Dak, and I'm, you know, I'm concerned. I, I don't know if there's enough volume to go around for the targets. Like, I'm certainly not going to draft Michael Gallup as a later round target when I think there's in his range. There's other uh, wide receivers in that range I think have a better chance of uh, con- kind of converting for a higher upside. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know the CD Lamb's safe. I think Brandon Cooks, you can you can talk yourself into right into him. I think Pollard will see plenty of. I just we're just we're just not going to see an uptick for those guys, and so that makes me leery of Prescott because he's going in a range with a lot of other players who are more intriguing to me, like a Daniel Jones or a Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, just appeal to me more than than Dak Prescott does this year. Sure, uh, and it's, you know you're trying to find any sort of scrambling upside. Probably not going to find it as much with Dak after all of his injuries either. They're probably yes. going to try to make sure he does not run so much. Rashad Penny, why should you uh, be in- intrigued by him at his draft price? Yeah, I was waiting to see what, you know what sort of reports we got out of this Philly camp. This is a this is a crazy uh, running back room now. I mean, yep, Miles Sanders is gone. Uh, they they signed Rashad Penny fairly quickly, if I remember correctly. We all know that Rashad Penny has been fantastic from a, just a yardage standpoint, whenever he's been able to be healthy enough to play. Uh, but you know, injuries are the big issue for him. And then Deandre Swift became available and they went ahead and pulled him in. Uh, but the first, uh, rep, uh, in camp went to, to Penny, uh, that is saying something that's, you know, he's yep. coming in as a free agent and you're, you know, he's first in line for carries. And to this point, I think he's the most established runner, uh, on this team, uh, in terms of talent, uh, we've got some, some great numbers for him and, in, in you know, in 10, seven of 10 games where he had, uh, at least 12 carries, he posted hundred rushing yards. He averaged 7.39 yards per carry in those games. So when he's been the, the man, he's been very, very good. And then over the last two seasons, I mentioned this, uh, these stats earlier, but, Last two seasons, uh, amongst all the backs that had at least 50 carries in each season, Penny led the league in yards after contact per attempt in both 2021 and 2022. So, you know, he's just a, a really solid runner. This is a great offensive line. So the big question is, can he stay healthy? If he does, I think he's going to have a big year. Uh, you know, at the very least, I think he starts in September as the lead back for the Eagles. And, you know, you're, you can get him in the eighth, ninth round right now. Yeah, and that, that's just the point, too. It's not just that, hey, we love having him. It's just, hey, this is a guy that we, we can get for the price uh, a lot better than, you know, Swift. I don't think the volume's going to be there. I think you're going to be frustrated with Swift a little bit, especially because it's not just those two. They've got like five backs that a lot of teams would like to have. To that point, I just saw a note or report the other day that Boston Scott's job may not be guaranteed this year, that he's going to have to fight for a roster spot. Yeah, I mean he's been the RB three there, and now they've you know they lost Sanders. They brought in two backs, so he's just bumped down. He's you know they're not going to cut. I don't think Gainwell to keep Boston Scott, uh, but he he's a good guy to keep as your fourth option because if one of these. I mean you got two pretty injury prone running backs at the top of your running back room. Uh, you might want to have Boston Scott in the on the team somewhere. 
We had a little bit of a scare with Alexander Madison, but uh, as alluded to, he is practicing uh, today, at least after uh, kind of sitting out half of the practice yesterday. He's got RB1 upside, not, not RB1 overall, but as an RB1, you know, he also has a little bit of risk because, you know, he's never been at the week after week, that steady drumbeat. I mean, sometimes we see like the, uh, the apprentice come in, get the starting role, and he doesn't really do what we think he's, he doesn't necessarily jump right in. What, what are your expectations for Madison in this Vikings offense? Yeah, you know, this is giving me Michael Turner going from the Chargers to the Falcons kind of vibes. Now, I'm okay. not expecting, you know, Turner, I think, was, I don't know, RB3 or 1 or something the year that year that he came over. I remember drafting him in the fourth round uh, that year, really feeling like I was getting a steal. I mean, a really pretty talented backup getting his chance to start. Uh, and now we have this Alexander Madison. This is a fun debate on Twitter, uh, you know, there, there are people that are just like, I'm not drafting him. He's no good. has no vision. Uh, he wasn't able to get carries uh, consistently with Dalvin Cook there. So that means he's not good. Uh, but, you know, for years and years and years, we were saying that Madison is a, a, a top priority handcuff to draft very late in drafts because if Dalvin Cook goes out, he's going to be the guy. And he has delivered RB1 numbers when he's been the main guy in the 14 games that he's seen at least 10 carries. He's averaged 18.1 touches, 88 yards, 0.57 touchdowns. Uh, that's about what Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones averaged as low end RB1s last year uh, in seven starts from 2020 to 2021. This is under a different coach. He averaged 23.3 touches for 118 yards, 0.72 touchdowns per game. Uh, that would have beaten out Saqu Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb last season. So he also has a PFF rushing grade of that was the 14th highest last year. So it's not okay. like he's some, he's not some goofball uh, that we're trying to just force touches to. So I, I think it's a, a good situation. It's a good offense. I think that, you know, compared to years past with Mike Zimmer, the running backs aren't going to see huge workloads, but he should be able to see what Dalvin cook saw last year, which I think was around 18 touches and he can do plenty of damage in that. This is going to be a really good offense. They're going to score a lot of touchdowns. The defense is bad, uh, so I think Madison is set up for you know a really good season, and he's going in the in the fifth round right now. If you're backing him up, if you're if you're one to try to draft a top backup for a back, who's the backup to Madison? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, McBride, I think is the is the name that seems to be rolling off most of the tongues around the league. I, I did see that Ty Chandler uh, hasn't been impressive, and they've got uh, Keeney Nguandu. I'm not even going to try to do that last name. That's good enough. Uh, <laughs> I'll just call him Kenny or Keeney. Uh, you know, so this is a really fluid situation behind him, but I think that just underscores the point that that Madison is the guy. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the rookie is McBride, so he's the new face, and Chandler hasn't been that impressive. So, you know, read into that what you will. Yeah. So to summarize, Alexander Madison, more Michael Turner, less Kevin Barlow uh, is what we're going for. Well, yeah, I mean, there's other, like, other guy. I'm going to date myself, but Lamont Jordan coming yep. over from the Jets to the Raiders, I believe. Chester Taylor, uh, RB2, came over to Minnesota, had a good uh, fantasy season. So I, I look for these guys that, uh, you know, are quality backups that are now getting their, their chance to start, and they typically are going around or two later than they should be in fantasy drafts. I love how we're naming guys that like some of our listening audience probably never saw play. I was going to go Amos zero way next, but uh, you know, Hey, there's always a go-to examples for that situation. Uh, Aaron Jones, you practice what you preach with this one in your article. You say he's going criminally low. Uh, and then you took him in Scott fishbowl. Yeah, I think he's a really 
great value. Uh, if anything, the, the, the Packers are going to be more, more run heavy this year and they're going to play faster. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Aaron Rodgers is one of the slowest playing quarterbacks in terms of draining the play clock. So they should see more plays. Uh, with Jordan Love now a quarterback, I think Matt LaFleur will probably focus on the run. They have a good uh, offensive line there as well. Uh, Aaron Jones should benefit from that. You know, if if Jordan Love is decent, then this offense might be better than it was last year, and that was with Rodgers. I mean, it, you know, people are saying, oh, they're going to they're gonna tank without Rodgers, but they were bad, you know, mediocre, I guess, last year. So if we could be mediocre again and he's the RB9 last year, then why is he going RB16 or RB17 or whatever he is? Uh, right now because he's you know I seventh in yards after contact per attempt last year 15th in broken tackles third in rushing grade he's the fifth most receptions sixth most re- receiving yards and the second most receiving touchdowns among running backs in the last two seasons so he's just been you know really solid he's 28 years old still and he's the centerpiece of this offense this year one of the bigger frustrations I had last year was knowing that Aaron Jones who is very good in the red zone wasn't getting carries wasn't getting those reps and AJ Dillon, who is terrible in the red zone, was getting those reps. Yeah, that's a weird deal because it's just a size thing, right? Because Aaron yeah. Jones, if you if you watch them play, Aaron Jones is the better talent in terms of making people miss. And, and if you look at their 40 times, Dillon's actually a little faster than Jones, which you wouldn't think that either right. with his quadzilla. He kind of he looks kind of slow, but he's not. So you know, we'll see what they do this year. I think they're going to want to have Jones in there. He does get some touchdowns regardless. It's, it's just maybe not coming on those goal line uh, carries. They probably want to save his body a little bit from taking those types of hits. Yeah, something, something Ron Dane there, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that one there. Uh, before we break down a couple of guys on your Scott Fishbowl team and a couple other guys from your article, quick other uh, promotional note here. Uh, our friends at Fantrax are also a sponsor of the podcast. For you fantasy football players and fans out there, is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current leagues? Bonus scoring, custom schedules or playoffs, deeper team settings? Well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top fantasy fantasy football platform in the industry for Dynasty Leagues. Coming from another service, not a problem. Fantrax can easily import any of your current leagues and rosters and customize if needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax Commissioner Tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. If there is anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion you don't want to miss. Sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash Rotowire today to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league, plus $6,000 in spending cash. That's right, tickets for your entire league. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing leagues for more chances to win. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Jeff Erickson, I'm here with John Paulson from 4 for 4 Fantasy. Uh, John, uh, in uh, anything that any game that's got an overall contest, be it underdog or uh, Scott Fishbowl and FFC or FFPC, stacking is always considered a, a good strategy. And it's the, the trick is trying to find a unique stack or it's, that's attainable, still has some upside. 
And one that I don't think a lot of people talk about is the Guardians. Uh, and I know you are relatively optimistic on Sam Howell and certainly optimistic on Terry McLaurin. Yeah, we're, I think we're sleeping uh, on this offense a little bit as an industry. Uh, and I think everybody's just worried about Sam Howell not being the real deal, you know, fifth round pick. Uh, but he was really good uh, second to last season. I don't know if it was his junior season or if it was sophomore season, but you're really good with, with NFL talent around him. Uh, he struggled a little bit the following year, but did decent, ran the ball a ton. Uh, you look at his receiving core. Uh, Terry McLaurin, you mentioned him. Uh, Jahan Dotson, who just you know got dinged up last year, but when he was playing, he was really effective, had some big games. Uh, they have Curtis Samuel as their number three really good route runner, really talented player as well. You know, Logan Thomas, if he can stay healthy, is a really intriguing tight end, uh, two type. Uh, I guess he's, you know, doing pretty well in camp or he's going to be, you know, tight end's going to be featured in that offense. Right. Uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, pass catching, uh, running back as well. So I think this is, you know, you know how good is this defense going to be? They might be okay, but there should be point, some points scored uh, against them and they're going to have to push the ball downfield, throw the ball more than maybe they'd like. And I think that leads to a lot of fantasy points. This is a, a very intriguing stack because it's it's re, uh, if you can get McLaurin, uh, it's really easy to get Howell, yep. and it's not it's not too hard to get Dotson, and it's super simple to get uh, Curtis Samuel. Yeah, it's easy to get Thomas. It's, even Gibson's not that hard to get. You know, it's all around. I think I said Guardians by the way instead of Commanders, but that was a little. I, I knew what you meant. I knew yeah. what you meant. I've been taught. You know, when you do baseball trade line day one day, and then you do football the next. You know, it's all over the place you, when you're trying to think of rename teams. But uh, yeah, uh, I yeah, and I I was so annoyed with you when you took Hal because that was like the perfect third quarterback to get in the fishbowl league. You got him, uh, I think, in the tenth round, ninth or tenth round. Ninth round, yeah. Ninth round, and it's like uh, I waited one round too late to try to get that third quarterback because he he's like he's he's easily got. QB two upside and you're getting a QB three price for him. And in a super flex league, that's super important. Yeah. You know, you sit there in these leagues and these super flex leagues. And I, you know, I, I do think the quarterback position is very important. So I was, you know, planning to start with at least one. I did see the ADP and, and saw guys like Gino and Daniel Jones were slipping to the fourth round and I ended up with Daniel Jones there. They both were available there for me at four, three. And, you know, you're watching these other, some of these other, drafters and they're just ignoring the quarterback position and part of me definitely wants to stick it to them if they were <laughs> wanting uh you know this is not you you took burrow and, and desperate Dak prescott so you went you went pretty hard on the on the quarterbacks at the start but some other some other drafters i want to you know oh you're not going to get howl you're not going to no. get my favorite deep uh deep sleeper if you're not have you taken by the ninth round man i'm going to take him I, I think i it was one of those deals where i had it on a posted i said sam howell in the ninth no matter what. So uh, I went ahead and drafted him there. Well, there you go. Um, and, and the thing is, he, he got thrown in, he got thrown to the wolves in week 18 uh, against the Cowboys, a really tough defense. Uh, and it turned out, you know, the, the commanders didn't even realize the game mattered, or at least Ron Rivera didn't. I mean, Ron Rivera is the big, this is like the one thing that has me worried about the whole commander's offense. Actually, he's tugboat Ron. He's not riverboat Ron, as far as I'm concerned, but um yeah, the, the talent is certainly there. I don't. Did you see the uh, quote from Gibson today? He's like, "I wish I stayed as a wide receiver instead," because he he's like, uh, I, "I could be a running back. It could be a receiver. He's a receiver a lot at Memphis." And yeah. sure, of course, when you see what receivers are getting paid versus what running backs are getting paid, yeah, I'd rather be a receiver too. Yeah, I think you know the running back. There should be some sort of reset with the, the pass catching running back 
uh, you know, compared to just a traditional running back that doesn't yep. catch many balls. I mean, I think there's a little bit of a difference there in terms of what they're worth, value, real world value, uh, et cetera. But I watched that uh, every throw before I decided to really get on the Sam Howell train. I sat down and watched, use the NFL uh, subscription that we have to to watch every throw that uh, Sam Howell had in that game. And he was fairly impressive. I mean, there was, you know, he obviously can really run the ball. He ran the ball 35 yards, a touchdown there. So you got nine and a half fantasy points right there. And, uh, you know, I think he was 11 of 18. They didn't throw the ball a whole lot, but that was because they led most of the game. Uh, he threw a great pass, deep ball to, to Terry McLaurin, some other good passes. And then uh, he did have a bad interception in the end zone. But I guess uh, Ron Rivera was impressed with how he came to the sideline, took ownership of it, and tried to figure out what he did wrong. Yeah. Uh, so he's just a really athletic, uh, sleepy sleeper, athletic type uh, player who has that. You know, to me, I I call him uh, arbitrage for Anthony Richardson. Uh, so he's a guy you can have. I mean, Richardson went in the third round in our draft. You can get him, you know, in super flex leagues, ninth, tenth round. Uh, but he has that rushing upside that we're looking for, and he's got a really good uh, receiving core. And if he so, if he's even a decent passer, uh, he has a, he's a big time threat for a top 12 season. Yeah. And his uh, collegiate career is interesting. They had a lot of talent in North Carolina, but they all left like a lot of the, his skill position players left the year before him. And it was basically, he, he was, a, he was kind of on his own that last year and he still put up credible numbers, but you saw his draft stock go down and it was kind of like, okay, well, who did he have to play with? And you know, and it's hard, especially at the college level, sometimes adjusting on the fly like that's pretty tough. Yeah, and he went from, I don't know, 300, 200, 300 yards rushing uh, the previous season to 800. So obviously yeah. the the mindset and the offense changed to where we're going to feature him as a runner. And, you know, for the coaching staff to recognize that, obviously he's got that athletic ability that, uh, you know, maybe he wasn't showing the previous year, but, uh, he, you know, it, it showed up in week 18. It, it absolutely did. So I, I do like him. I like him and I like his teammates as late round values. And like we said, very gettable. And you're trying to look for, a, a, you know, especially you're, you're playing around, you're doing volume with a lot of uh, like underdog contests. That's a stack you can easily get. Uh, and it, it maybe separates you a little bit there. Brees Hall, you mentioned that there's a little remorse there. Buyer's remorse on him uh, because of the pup list and because of the cost of who it, who you cost to get uh, that you didn't get Nick Chubb instead. Uh you know, he, he has the 1.1 upside. He has that potential, yeah. but I, I always, I, I try to avoid injury optimism at the draft table, especially with ACLs and running backs. And so he's a tricky guy to value this year. Yeah. And I, I was given his, from what I've read on the ACL recovery, it really helps if you're young, which he is. It really yeah. helps if you're athletic, really athletic, which he is. So I'm still optimistic. This could all work out for me. But I'm looking at it now. I, I was I did get sniped on Tony Pollard one pick before, Ooh. Uh, so that that was who I really wanted there. I, I thought maybe I could get him, and then that would have made the whole Chubb thing, you know, not so bad. And then I just went with Hall. I thought the upside in this sort of tournament, having him towards the end of the year, if I could make the playoffs, would be really nice. You know, I, I passed on Ramondre Stevenson for him. I don't know if I would do that now. Uh, we have a little bit more information now. We have Dalvin Cook coming in for meeting like this was not all happening when when we were drafting uh, scott fishbowl i guess right. there was some rumors that the jets might be interested in dalvin but nothing had happened yet and still nothing has happened so what i think is happening with dalvin is he's going and visiting and then they get to the contract and he's like oh yeah uh, but uh, <laughs> i thought i was worth more than that and yeah, you know, uh, like every other running back unfortunately 
Yeah, I think his, you know, he's he said the chances are pretty high that he's going to sign with the Jets, but they haven't signed. And his best bet is really to go to Miami and see if he can lock down the RB1 job there uh, and have a big year, maybe do a one-year deal and then try to, you know, get, get into the free agent market next year. Uh, but, you know, with Hall, I, I'm still optimistic. Things haven't gone as great because, you know, from what we've heard all offseason, you're comparing uh, Javante Williams to Brees Hall. We thought... I, me, I thought that that Hall was ahead of of uh, Javante, and right. it turns out the the opposite is true. Or it might just be how the teams are deciding to handle Hall versus right. Javante. Like the 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 Broncos might be a little bit more liberal with what they're doing with him. Uh, and he had more of a he had two other ligaments that were were torn, while Hall's was very simple. It was just the ACL. So right. I'm still I'm still optimistic. I definitely don't want Dalvin to sign there, but I wouldn't mind if a uh, you know, a Zeke or a Leonard Fournette signed there if they were trying to add a, a veteran back. Yeah, I, I'd actually worry more about Fournette than I would Zeke at this point in time, but maybe I'm just being a little extra jaded, but well, I, I think, you know, or maybe extra cautious. I don't know. I, I was worried about uh, Fournette signing in New England, and that never seemed to happen either. It's, it, you know, it's taken its time for these guys to resolve. Yeah, and, I, you know, a guy that I'm actually, I'd be the most worried about is Kareem Hunt. Because he's, yeah. I think, more in. And I, I drafted him, and you know, I raised some eyebrows. I drafted him in the sixth round, Scott Fishbowl. I maybe I reached on him a little bit, but I, I felt like I looked at the board and I was like, I think he's the most talented running back out there. Uh, he's going to land somewhere, and uh, wherever he does, he's really going to upset the apple cart because he's a dual threat. I mean, he's he can catch the ball. He's not just a pass catcher though; he can run the ball. We saw that Kansas City. So um, that that's the player that if he lands somewhere, I'm really you really have to look at the at the running back room, the running back touches, and and really kind of shake things up. So speaking of Hunt and where he left behind in Cleveland, are you big on Jerome Ford taking over some of the pass catching duties there? I would say some, uh, but the, the running back coach there is speaking so highly of Nick Chubb and his. Mm-hmm. Upside as a receiver, I believe earlier in the year he just threw out like, "Oh, Chubb could have a thousand yards receiving." Now that's just ridiculous, but I mean, I, I could not see that fathom that happening, given Chubb's career so far and how they run that offense. But the yeah. fact that he's even willing to say that, you know, maybe four hundred yards is you know five hundred yards is within you know his range of outcomes, and all of a sudden you're adding that to his mega workload as a runner. So I do think Ford is involved, but I don't think it's as much as Hunt was. And but Ford sense. has that Ford has that huge uh, you know injury upside if if something were to happen to to, to Chubb. I call those attrition plays. So if, if there's an injury there, uh, Ford is a, is a worthy draft pick because he's you know going to be vaulted into RB two land. Is it possible we're undervaluing Chubb that he could be like RB three overall, RB two? That's that's where I have him ranked. I have him yeah. at RB three. So I, yeah. you know, he's right behind Eckler and McCaffrey for me. I just think he has that combination of uh, really high floor and uh, you know RB one overall upside if he gets his you know 40, 50 catches. No one doubts his ability as a runner. That's for sure. No. Um, and you know, Cleveland is as stable as they've been in a long time uh, overall. You know, very drama free off season. Uh, and so uh, you know, it could be. And, and we know they have a great run blocking line. You yes. Know, for, you know, having Watson at the start of the season should be beneficial. Um, yeah, this this could be a, a really monster season for him. And he's already good. Now it's a question of you know if he, that usage goes like we're talking about. Wow, that could be crazy good. Yeah, somebody asked uh, on Twitter about why his numbers tanked with Deshaun Watson. Um, 
once he came in and I went to go look at it uh, again, using PFRs uh, or actually Statheads, uh, you know, play calculator that they have. And it was interesting to see their, they totally changed their, uh, how they operated in the, inside the 10 yard line. They went from week one to week 12. Uh, they had 30, uh, 19 pass attempts, 32 rush attempts. So that's with uh, Jacoby Brissett. Chubb mm-hmm. got 1.54 touches per game inside the 10. Then from week 13 to week 18, 13 pass attempts, six rush attempts. So they totally flipped to being pass heavy inside the 10. And, and what Watson was pretty bad. But Chubb yep. only got uh, 0.5 uh, touches per game inside the 10. So I think that explains you know, Chubb's touchdowns dropping with Watson. So the question is, you know, number one, was is Watson better? Uh, you know, do we have more drives into the red zone? Is, is the offense more efficient? Are there more touchdown opportunity, opportunities total? Uh, and the other is like, does does Stefanski look at this and go, I, I went way too pass heavy inside the 10. I just got to give it to Chubb and, and let him do his work. Right. And it's partially a sample size thing. They There weren't, yep. there weren't that many red zone attempts to begin with there. So uh, that that's part of the problem. Watson was straight up terrible. I mean, there were a couple of games where they barely got near to the red zone and you know, like the, the Washington game, it was a couple of big plays other than besides, you know, sandwiching just like this steady stream of ineptness on offense. Uh, it was, it was a very strange game. You know, if you recall, there's those two big plays to Cooper. I think there was a pick six involved. Um, and it was, they just, Otherwise, it was not a good game at all. So that's one of the things I kind of want to see them in like normal weather. They played like these extreme cold games, too. It's a very uh, weird uh, cap to the season for the Browns. Well, let me ask you about that. You mentioned Deshaun Watson's play. Like, how worried are you about how he did last year? Is he going to get back to his top five ways? I see him going off the board QB9. He went off the board QB9 in our in our draft and mm-hmm. Scott Fishbowl right after Trevor Lawrence, like three picks after. So I... I have him, you know, five or six spots lower than that. I just have him kind of in that group of QB twos that are, you know, you know, the, uh, the, uh, Tua's, the, the Gino, right. the Daniel Jones, the Aaron Rodgers, those types of guys. Uh, I'm just not, I don't see, I mean, I guess there is the upside is there, but last year worries me. Uh, understandably. Um, I, I think there is, and we can make reasons for it, excuses for it. And the, I think the real answer is, I don't know. Um, I, you know, it's, it's a faith-based decision here, really. I mean, I, cause we, had, we definitely didn't see it, but we saw the Houston version of him from a year and a half ago. And we think, okay, well maybe, you know, that's thing. It's, I, I think rust explains a lot of it, but I don't know. It could be just an age gap too. You know, <laughs> there, that does happen sometimes. Is he going to run more? You know, is that mobility going to be back? Cause that opens up a lot of doors. Uh, but I, we'll have to see it. He's going to be one of those fulcrum players, I think, this year. Uh, if he's, if he, he, he could be one of those guys that could win a league for you, or he could destroy the value of his teammates again. Because uh, you know, he, re, I think he was a direct cost to a lot of the people. Uh, you know, it, I think it's because the offense was so bad that Chubb's overall numbers went down. It's because the, just the offense was so bad. And then if the passing game can't hurt you, okay, well, let's just try to make Chubb beat. You know, let's not let Chubb beat us. Yeah, I mean, they're legitimately better with Brissett. Yeah. And I don't think anybody, you know, on the staff would argue that, but you know, that Watson is their franchise quarterback now. So yeah. they're going to go with them. And I, they prayed a heavy I, price for him. So, you know, they're going to give it all the chances they can. 
Yeah, I think I kind of cursed my team last year. I, I drafted Watson late, and I was expecting a you know a big push towards the end of the season, and he was just terrible. So maybe I'm a little bit jaded about Deshaun Watson. I understandable. I mean, you saw it with your own eyes. I mean, it was it was legitimately terrible. So I, I get it there. Uh, before I let you go, I know four for four has a deal with Sleeper right now. You were tweeting about that before the podcast today. Can you tell everybody about that? Yeah, it's our new partner. We announced today. Uh, they, they have a a new. Um, game over there it's called the picks game so they're you know i think they're getting into the prize picks type thing the the, the pick them type stuff and if you deposit twenty dollars uh even if you're a a sleeper uh already having a sleeper account uh, it doesn't matter if you haven't yet deposited in their picks game you can uh for just twenty dollars you can get a free four for four pro subscription uh and they do match uh sleeper matches up to uh hundred dollars they'll do a hundred percent so if you wanted to you know put in a hundred get a hundred buck back and then you get a free uh subscription over at four for four so that's a you know that's a big uh, partnership for us very cool well john i had a great time meeting you at, at fishbowl and a greater time just talking with you now too talking a lot of football uh thanks for coming on board and uh good luck this season thanks jeff great great to be on thanks for having me you bet john paulson everybody at four for four underscore john on twitter of course he's at four for four uh check out what they have to offer um and thanks again for listening uh coming up we'll have uh, our regular slew of uh, podcasts for the rest of this week uh good luck in your leagues take care <laughs>